You're now listening to Fundamental Fast Pitch. Welcome back, everyone. It's Mike here with Jessica Tanner and Heather Maloney on the Fundamental Fast Pitch Podcast. This is episode 10, Base Running 101. Heather, Jess, how are you guys doing today? Doing great. How are you, Mike? I'm doing absolutely incredible. We're just, you know, a couple days off of the USFA Super Regionals experience. A lot to say. There was a lot of hooting, hollering. So I'm going to leave it to you guys on this podcast primarily. But I have a question. Obviously, base running is important, key, and vital to the success of our team. But just how important, just how key, just how vital. Today, we're going to work out our way from the box to the bases and really go into a deep dive of sorts before moving into some more advanced situations. So... Jessica, we're not going to pretend like this is my thing here. This is this is your one of your favorite things about softball. Is that right, base running? Yes, absolutely. So I'm going to let you just take the steering wheel on this one and just lead us down the path of base running, literally from first to second to third to home. All right. Sounds good, Mike. Well, we are going to start in the batter's box, home plate. Um, and then, like you said, just kind of working our way around the bases. We'll start with some basics and some fundamental concepts, and then we'll roll into some advanced um, base running concepts and situations. But first and foremost, um, in the batter's box, just a couple key things to remember. Um as a hitter, making sure you're staying in the box until the ball is back to the pitcher. Um, this is really key to make sure that we're not drawing any interference calls with catchers trying to pick off or throw runners out on the bases. Um, general rule of thumb is when you're taking your signals from your coach, whether it be first base or third base coach, making sure you've got one foot in the box um, while you step out to take those signals. Um, I also know that the batters that tend to like vary from the box, uh, the umpires a lot of times tend to get annoyed from that just because they see it kind of as a delay of game and wasting time every single pitch. So um, just making sure that we're keeping our foot in the box, getting our signals in between pitches. Uh, another key note on umpires is that there's sometimes it impatient and you also have pitchers that sometimes have a tendency to quick pitch, which means that they get on the mound, they get their signal or what if they don't get a signal, they're just ready to go. Um, so making sure that as a hitter, when you step in the box, you're quick to get ready um, on the lookout for if that pitcher is trying to quick pitch you, knowing that um, if you step in and have your hand up to the umpire to call time, which, by the way, it has to be to the umpire, not to the pitcher. I have seen that done and chuckled quite a bit. But um, just know that the umpire does not have to grant you time. So making sure that if you see that the umpire is allowing the pitcher to pitch quickly and kind of control the pace of the game, that you need to adjust and be ready to do so as well. Um, especially for those of you that have a, a long pre-pitch routine. So you're you're stepping in, you do your cross on the other side of the plate, you do your little bat point and your, and your swagger. Like just know that there will be times that that has to be condensed. So um, just knowing when that situation applies. Um, now, as you once you're in the box, how do you get out of the box? Um, the answer is quick, fast, and in a hurry, always. Um, whether it is a drop third strike, whether it's ball four, um, especially on a foul ball, uh, I think it's very important to teach your hitters and, and your base runners to always do everything at full speed. Um, one, so that that is that is a habit that we create. Um, that is the only way that they learn how to base run. There is no other option. And then also so that when they are actually on the bases and they're leading off and they're stealing and everything's um, fast and aggressive, uh, it kind of keeps the defense 
um, guessing or on their toes. Um, I always tell my girls, hey, when you're on the bases, every single leadoff, the other team needs to think you're stealing. That's not how hard and how powerful your leadoffs need to be. So it's no different getting out of the box. Um, and that also creates opportunities to take extra bases and, again, get that defense rattled. So, for example, if um, the it's a swing and, swinging third strike, uh, we're not waiting to see if the catcher drops it or not. We don't need to look back there. We know that as a hitter, we swung, we missed. All we have left to do is sprint down to first baseline and hope that the catcher missed it. Um, if we're not sprinting, that limits your chances to get on base. And I will tell you, yeah, striking out is no fun, but it's a whole different ballgame when you can cre create an opportunity to get on base by hustling down the line on a drop third strike or even creating opportunities to take extra bases on ball four when, let's say, defense isn't paying attention or especially if you have a teammate that's at third base and you're busting it down the line, hitting the inside corner of the bag and going straight to two, trying to draw that throw to second for defense that's maybe not paying attention and, again, creating an opportunity to get ahead or to put your team in a position to score some extra runs. So um, just know that anytime we're leaving the box, it's quick, fast, and in a hurry. No matter what, we're not looking to see where the ball goes or anything like that. And just know that it's always going to be a foot race to first base. Obviously, if you hit the ball to the outfield, um, you're still running hard down the line, but you're looking to see if you can take an extra base. And and although the tie goes to the runner um, in the situation where it's a bang-bang play at first, to me, why chance it? Put the effort in, get, get down the line, get there quick, and be looking for extra bases. So um, that's in the box, out of the box. Uh, Heather, Mike, do you guys have anything to add to that? Shocker. I do, Heather. Um, um, no, just just real quick. And we talked about on previous podcasts um, a lot of things that are, you know, controllables. I, I think base running is absolutely a controllable. It's absolutely a thing where you can give effort and focus and really, you know, kind of help your team. If, if the team you're playing possibly might be a little more talented than you in theory, like kind of cut the the distance between the talent gap. You know what I mean? Like just by having that that muscle memory that you build by going hard every single opportunity. Heather. Absolutely. Heather. I was just going to go back to that interference. Um, some people may not know what interference is or I have a clear understanding. So interference is anytime an offensive player impedes a defensive player's ability to make a play on a, on a ball. Uh, so in this, in this situation in the batter's box, that would be a situation where, a batter steps out of the box and gets in the way of the catcher making a throw to attempt to make an out on a base runner. Um, so that would be interference in this situation. It's a little different. And, um, you know, maybe if you're run, a runner running from second to third or something, but um, if, if you're the offensive player, it's your duty to stay out of the defensive player's way. How did I know you were going to add that in catcher? <laughs> Predictable. <laughs> it's an important point though. I mean, a lot of a lot of the times we were this weekend, we we had I heard it firsthand. Get out of the get out of the box. Get out of the box. No, stay in the box. Like I heard it firsthand. Mm -hmm. Yes. So okay, so we talked about being in the box, how to get out of the box. Now we're gonna work our way to first base. So um early on as a hitter, 
once you start to get more consistent with your swing and more comfortable with just just the game and getting your reps in, you you begin to understand if you get a good hit, if you hit the ball hard, you have a general idea of where the ball goes. But until that point, um, especially our younger players, you're hustling hard down the line. And you're, um, if you know the ball is like on the infield or you don't know where the ball is, you're hustling hard down the line through the bag and about four or five, six, depending on your speed, steps after the bag, you're breaking down into an athletic position, turning your head physically to your right, over your right shoulder to see if you can find the ball against the fence. You are looking for an overthrow. In that instance, if the ball is overthrown and you know your speed, again, that's a big one. That's a big part of this conversation. If you think that you can get to the next base, um, to second base, one, it is important to know, especially our younger players and our younger coaches, you do not have to go back and touch first base before you go to second base. Um, that's very, very important. Uh, it could shave a couple of extra steps off of um, off of your line to second, and that could be the difference in you being safe for you being out. So just know if you find the overthrow against the fence, it's you see it, you turn left, you go straight to second from wherever you are at past the bag. Um, now, when you're running through first, another thing to mention is that we have the safety bag. Um, it's usually the orange or the red bag that's on the right side of the line. This is for our base runners. The white bag is for defense. It is important that respectively, each of them stay to using their own bags. Again, this is a safety bag for a safety reason. This is trying to keep the runner from um, running into um, a helpless first baseman trying to catch the ball. It's to try to keep the first baseman from impeding the runner, maybe stretching to catch a ball. Um, it's just it's just a safety thing. So just no runners. We're going hard through that safety bag um, and then looking breaking down to find the ball. If you are, if you have an idea that you hit the ball to the outfield or you think that you may have an opportunity to take an extra base, you know, you've got one, you might be able to go to, let's say it's to the outfield or potentially in a gap. We are not taking that straight line. We are bending around into a question mark or a banana, um, whatever your preference is of calling that, that change in direction to get us into an angled position to be able to hit the inside corner, the inside left corner of the white defensive bag in order to continue on our route to second base in as short of a path as possible. Again, a couple extra steps makes a big difference um, or at least putting us into a lead to go a few steps rounding the bag, find the ball and make a decision if we can go or if we need to come back. Um, once you are on first base, let's say you, you're, you've hit it, next batter comes up, you're ready to, um, to, the next play is happening. Again, going back to that explosive base running, explosive out of the box, explosive at every bag. Every time you leave the bag, the other team needs to think you are stealing. I cannot overemphasize that enough. Um, it's important. It's huge. It gives you extra momentum, extra speed. It's just, it's a game changer. Um, and then basic rule of thumb, any ball on the ground, you're, it's a force play from first base. It, it is that simple ball on the ground. You're going zero outs, one outs, two outs. It does not matter. So just know from first to second ball on the ground. Um, we'll talk in just a minute about force plays versus read plays, but in that instance, ball on the ground, it's go. Um, and another point, uh, on that ball on the ground, depending on where it's hit, 
we're picking up our third base coach. We're looking to see if he or she is waving us on for an opportunity to maybe take third on an uncovered back. Or let's say that the hitter lays down a bunt and third base crashes. We're at first base and nobody is paying any attention to third base. Um, And again, knowing your speed, if there's an opportunity to take that next bag, um, being aggressive and reading that and trying to, again, create opportunities to take extra bases. So, um, on that note, I also want to add that when picking up your third base coach, it is not when you're standing on top of second base. It is about halfway between first and second. So let's say typically around where the second baseman stands, you're taking a peek over your left shoulder to pick up your third base coach and see if you're going to go base to base or see if he's waving you on to, again, take that extra base. So again, that's starting at first or getting to first, excuse me, or starting at first, moving our way over to second. Um, Heather and Mike, you guys want to chime in? Yeah, I've got something on the safety bag. I mean, almost every single time the runner's going to go to that orange bag and the defense is going to stay on that white bag. But um, it's in every rule book I've read, um, the defense is allowed to go to the orange bag in certain situations. So it's not going to happen very often. But let's say, for instance, there was like a drop third strike and it took the catcher over into foul territory on the first base side. In that instance, it's okay for defense to play the orange bag. Um, so as the runner, you knowing your situation, what you know, what happened, how, why you're running down the, down the line, um, you should be looking. And, and if the defense is on that orange bag, you go for that white bag. It's a safety bag. It's not necessarily that you have to always stay confined to your bag, but it's there for safety, general safety. So um, there are certain rare instances where you may not go for that orange bag as the runner. Yeah, Jessica, I I think you hit on a lot of good stuff there at first base. I I don't have, um, you know, too much to add on this one, aside from just, like you said, knowing your speed. And if you are quick and you are picking up, um, and I think this is a general idea, right? Our general mindset, like go be greedy, like, if, if your team plays that way, you know, go be greedy. Go try to always be thinking to advance rather than playing it safe if if that, you know, is in your arsenal, I think, right? So, I mean, aside from that, though, Jess, I think you guys covered a lot of the stuff. That was, that was just my personal opinion on, on that topic, I guess. What about third base? What about tagging? Do you only tag on a fair ball? Um, I'm going to get to that in a minute, but you skipped a base, Mike. You have to go from first to second. I was just, I was just rounding. I was being greedy. Sorry about that. (laughs) That's okay. Um, I'm going to jump over to second base first though. So when you're a runner at second base, um, again, same thing, explosive leadoffs. I think at second base, um, especially, uh, if there is nobody behind you, you can afford to take a little bigger leadoff. That's a very long throw for a catcher and a smart base runner. Again, knowing your speed, I'm going to reiterate that as many times as possible, um, would know that, Hey, if the ball is thrown behind me, um, I'm in a position that I can quickly advance to the next base. So, um, creating opportunities to draw, throw, um, move to the next bag. Uh, if you have a runner at first and second base, obviously that force play is on. So ball on the ground, we are um, running, we're, we're going no matter what, ball in the air. Um, that gets a little bit complicated. Again, different coaches are going to teach different styles. Um, that's going to be probably more so left to each individual coach. But I would say ball in the air with a runner at second base um, in the infield that you're obviously going to stay put because that would be with a runner at first and second. That would be an instance of the infield fly rule. 
Uh, if there is nobody behind you, um, it, I think it's a safe bet to get off a little bit and not necessarily tag. Um, just depending on if it's hit to the infield or the outfield. If you're in a situation where um, general rule of thumb on pop-ups and tagging, if you're in a situation where the ball is short and you know you're not going to tag and go, I like to teach my runners to stay off the bag and get a comfortable lead where if the ball is dropped, you can advance to the next base. But if it's caught, then you can safely get back. Um, Jessica, what do you mean by if the ball is short? If the ball is short. So let's say I'm a runner at second base. Um, Obviously, if it's hit on the infield or in front of me, um, you can't really go anywhere. You can take a couple steps off the bag, but unless it is like booted or like hit and kicked over somewhere, you don't really have an opportunity to advance. Um, but let's say that you're on second base and there's nobody behind you, or even if there is, um, I like to teach my base runners to kind of run on their own situation. So let's say you're on second base and the ball is hit to like shallow, shallow right field. That is an instant. So between like a blooper between second base and right field, that would be an instance where as a runner, I'm probably not going to tag up and go if the ball is caught one, because um, that's a very, very short throw. But two, most of the time on balls like that, you're going to have your right fielder hopefully calling off your second baseman. So her momentum is going to be coming through that throw. So in that instance, I would get maybe, um, Safe rule of thumb is I say four or five steps, but the easier way of saying it is a comfortable distance off the bag to where if the ball is caught, you know you can get back. Whether that is sliding, diving, whatever it takes, you know you can comfortably get back if the ball is caught. If the ball is dropped, you're four or five steps off. You have the uh, it's a judgment call on your speed on whether you want to advance or not, but you're in a position to do so. Now, let's say that the the ball is hit in the air and it's in right center field deeper and left field and right field are going for it. Um, This is, again, this is going to be just situational. It's so hard to just talk through it, but um, let's say that the ball looks like it's for sure going to be caught in that instance as a runner, I would tag because I'm for sure going to be going three with the intention of trying to, to at least get around or look to be going four. Um, let's say that it's in the gap and both runners or both, um, outfielders are going for it and it does not look like it's going to be caught. It's in the air, but as a runner, I'm turning to see the ball and I don't see, I don't think that is going to be caught in that instance. I'm going to continually creep and creep and creep and be moving towards the next bag. And as soon as I know that that ball is not caught, I'm going to be advancing to third and going home because um, with it being that deep and hitting the ground, I'm I'm halfway to third and third to home. That's a long throw for any outfielder. That's a risk that I would be wanting and willing to take from second base um, on a ball to that side. Now, let's say I'm at second base and the ball's hit to like shallow center field. Again, if I'm not going to tag and go, then I'm going to stay. I'm going to turn and open up my body to find the ball. So what I mean by that is my leadoff is facing the infield, the batter, the pitcher. As it's hit, I am physically going to turn my body, open up my hips, and face where the ball is hit so that I can fully see it to make a decision to move left or right, either to the base that I came from or the base that I would like to go to. 
Now let's say I'm at second and the ball's hit shallow center. Again, four or five steps off if I don't think I'm tagging and going. If it's like carrying my outfielder back or it looks like it's not going to be caught, I'm getting off and off and off. And I'm taking the risk that that ball's not going to be caught and I'm going to try to be greedy and take two bases as opposed to playing the safe route and tagging and going for one. That is how I like to run the bases. Other coaches may teach you differently, but I, I, again, going back to the aggressive, the aggressive base running, I'm always looking to take as many bases as possible. Um, and then last one, let's say it's uh, again uh, on second base and the ball's hit to left field. Okay. I can open up. I can see the ball's hit in front of me and that is a close throw to the base that I'm going to go to. Um, again, I'm going to get off as many steps as possible. Um, to where if the ball is caught and I'm not tagging, I can get back. And if the ball is caught, I mean, is, is dropped, then I can comfortably go to the next base if I'd like to. Now, with that being said, if the ball is hit to left field and the left fielder is running back, like let's say it's hit over their head, I I teach my runners to tag on that instance because that is usually a guaranteed one base, but depending on your speed and situation and obviously the, the coach's coaching style on an, a ball that's hit to the outfielder running back, it is going to be very difficult for them to catch, stop, plant, turn around, and make a good throw online for a tag as well. So in that instance, ball hit over the outfielder's head to left field in front of me. I'm going to be tagging on that with the intention of taking one and potentially two bases. Does that kind of make sense, Mike, and answer your question? I mean, yes. And then you covered everything else. Like, I'm sitting here. I was like, I'm going to say this. Okay, she's going to cover it. Okay, she covered it. I'm going to say that. Oh, she just covered that, too. I literally am deleting notes on my notepad as you're talking. So, yes, you covered pretty much everything. Um, and, again, uh, this is why, folks, we said, hey, Jessica, I want to talk about base running. And, and before the podcast, she's like, hey, this is going to be a long one. Can we restart the recording? So stay with us here. I think this is going to be a super – I mean, not that they're not all informative, but this is something I don't think that a lot of people really go into breaking down at such a, a granular level, Justin. And I, th and I thought, honestly, it was absolutely fantastic. Um, so, I mean, I think a lot of it kind of blended, Jess, into, into things. Are, are we going into the basic section at this point, correct? I mean – are we going through it to advance? Where do you want to go next? You're, I'm just going to let you direct this one. I I don't know where you're, where, where you're, I mean, I don't know where you want to go here on this one. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm feeling flustered for a second. That's okay. Heather, did you have anything you wanted to add or you want me to jump into third base? I was just going to say that um, as a, as a slow poke, um, I can relate to the ones who are feeling overwhelmed with all this information because, um, you know, if this doesn't apply to me, this doesn't apply to me. This doesn't apply to me. <laughs> If you're not quick on the if you're not quick on the bases, your coaches may not be encouraging you to to maybe even run the bases smart. Um, so knowing your own speed is different than running it smart. So even though you may not be quick, you can still uh, learn all of these things and apply them scaled to your speed. And to Absolutely. be honest, you might be able to get some sneaky, sneaky extra bases because people are going to perceive you as not being quick and you can catch them sleeping if you're a good base runner. Absolutely. 
The, yeah, and I, Heather, I want to add to that because I think it's important to note that a good base runner does not necessarily mean a fast base runner. Some <laughs> of the like best base runners I've seen are just super smart. They know their situations. They they know the game. They they just they're smart athletes, and that's what makes them incredible on the base runners. It doesn't. It's not all about speed, even if it's base to base. Um, it's it's still important. So good add there. The only thing I want to add on just runners at third base is Mike back to your question that you originally asked me before I went on my second base tangent, um, (laughs) runners at third base, you had asked if you tag only on foul balls or what. So rule of thumb at third base is that if there are less than two outs, um, so that's zero outs or one out and the ball is hit in the air, it does not matter where it's hit. And it's especially if the ball is foul. Um, my general rule of thumb is any anywhere on the bases, any foul balls with less than two outs, you're tagging because nine times out of 10, the defense, especially at a younger age, Sleeping. are not looking for those secondary runners. They're going to be so excited that they caught a foul ball and robbed an out, especially if it's like a sliding or diving play that they're not going to be looking for you to advance in that situation. So general rule is all foul balls with less than two outs. We are tagging no matter where we are on the bases, but at third base, especially with less than two outs ball in the air, we are tagging, um, especially if it looks like the ball is going to be caught. So one, one caveat to that, Mike, is you talked about those little bloopers, right? Let's say I'm a runner at third base and the ball is dumped between the infield and the outfield. And I don't, what do you mean? I don't dumped? know. That means it's just like, <laughs> um, I'm asking because so, I'm creating a spreadsheet with our glossary in. as we're going. Yes. Sorry. So, um, a dump look. So basically it's like those little, oh, I call them tweeners. So the balls that are in between infield and outfield, they're not a line drive, but they're not a pop-up. They're just, just high enough to be like hit over the second baseman or shortstop or infield, but they're not quite high enough for outfield to go make a play on them. They're just those, they're not very good hits. They're just those hits that find the holes. That's the well best played. way I can explain them. Well placed. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we'll say strategic if you want, but on those balls, if you, again, if you know that you're not going to go when you're tagging, um, like, for example, if it's too close for you to tag and go, it may be beneficial to, to keep your lead a couple of steps off the bag. And then as soon as you see the ball drop, advance on that. But that would be the only instance where you would not tag on a pop up with less than two outs at third base. Fantastic. OK, <laughs> no, I, I think I think it's a fun ad because, as you said, the girls, especially at a younger level, they're so excited they made the play and. I mean, yes, we made the play. I mean, go get greedy, go go score, right? Go advance a base. Um, so now, as we went through first base, the second base, the third base, would you like to go home? I think you kind of included that with the third base stuff. So I think we should hop into the basic rules at least. What do you think? Yeah, that sounds Prefer- good. Preferences? Um, yeah, kind of just preferences. So leadoffs, um, again, these are going to be preferences, but – you're leading off. So how you leave the bag when the ball is released, um, getting ready to like read it in advance to the next base. Um, I like to teach with your left foot on the front of the bag and your right foot 
on the side of the bag, kind of like behind it so that you're in almost like a, a um, racing stance. I know that there's also some recent theories of going around right now, especially about being in more of like a track start and just pushing directly off the bag. Um, it's going to be your personal preference and what you like to teach. I know that umpires tend to favor the more traditional um, kind of like racing start where your foot is back behind the bag because when you're starting from the front of the bag and you're pushing off, um, most of those runners have a tendency to get called for leaving early because they don't have any negative movement that goes along with the pitching rotation and like getting set. Um, so that's kind of just an idea of how we like to teach standing on the bag, getting ready for a leadoff. Um, we talked a little bit about force plays. So force versus reads. Um, a force play is any ball that is hit on the ground that forces you to go to the next bag. Um, line drives, pop-ups, all of those are going to be reads and kind of at the runner's discretion, know your speed, know the situation. None of those are in any situation where you have to go. But um, ground balls, if you're on base and there is a runner behind you, and there is not an open bag. Um, if at any point there's not an open bag behind you, then that is what creates the force play, which is exactly what it sounds. It is forcing you to go to the next base uh, and then tagging up. So this is this is a tricky one, especially for our younger crowd. Um, what is tagging up? Tagging up is when the ball is in the air, you have to touch the bag when the ball is caught or you have to be on the bag when the ball is caught before you can make a decision to go to the next base again this is a read you do not have to go it is completely your call on whether you advance or not but you cannot advance without touching or being on that bag um, when the ball is caught so a lot of players don't know when to tag up um, my answer is as soon as you see the ball in the air and you know you need to tag up you're you're busting it back getting back in that like base running stance eyes on the ball turn to find it um not relying on our coaches when to tell us go or when to go you want to physically see the ball caught with your own eyes and when it is caught then you can leave the bag and advance to the next base if you want to. Heather, do you have anything to add on tagging up specifically? Yeah, if you happen to just not be on the bag, if you get caught off guard or something, you're not on the bag when they catch the ball, you have to go back and touch it. And you can advance from that point if, if something happens and you have an opportunity, but um, you must go back and touch it even if you're not on the bag when they catch it. Yes. And, and if you guys um, usually hear the parents like with mass pandemonium and chaos, it's usually on like a tag up play because runners are like a, a base and a half in head and everyone's freaking out. So um, just know that if you hear a lot of hollering, that's that's usually what happens at the ball field is there's there's an instance where you need to tag up and you didn't. Um, running with two outs, that's a little bit different. Um, it's a little bit easier. So with two outs, um, uh, basically as a coach, I'm telling my runners, hey, on contact, you are going, you're scoring, you're you're thinking two bases, right? So um, a lot of times if there's a play at first, again, the, the first baseman or whoever's at first may not necessarily be looking for that next runner to advance. So they may be trying to sell a play or wait for the umpire to call it or just not generally paying attention. So with two outs, I like to typically teach two bases or at least looking to take two bases um, as long as you don't run into an out. So what I mean by that is if it's not a force, um, if you're a runner at 
um, second base and you have first base open behind you and the ball's hit to shortstop, that is a read play. You make sure that they're not going to have an opportunity to tag you going from second to third um, instead of going and throwing the ball to first base because, again, it's not a force. You don't have to go. We don't want to go run into an out um, trying to be aggressive on the bases when, and take away the potential for our hitter to get on base and, and put us in multiple runners in scoring position. So just know running with two outs, you you want to go, you want to be aggressive, but you don't want to run into an out. Um or or give up an easy out in that situation. Um, uh, Heather, do you want to talk a little bit about stealing and the difference between the different types of steals? Sure. So uh, straight steal is straight steal. So as soon as the pitcher releases the ball, you are going. You are head down running. Um, it's not uh, get a jump and look and see if the catcher caught the ball or maybe she dropped the ball. It, no, it's, it's you are stealing. Coach has told you to steal and um, they are giving you that signal uh, based on the assumption that you are going to go hard. Um, so that's, that's, that would be like a straight steal. Um, you might have a delayed steal where uh, as the runner, you get a good jump on the, on the pitch. Uh, you kind of stay out there in no man's land for just a minute while you see what the catcher does. And as soon as the catcher releases the ball to throw back to the pitcher, you're on to the next bag. Hey, Heather, what do you do if, as a runner, what do you do if your coach gives you a straight steal, but as a runner, you think you're going to be out? So for me, if my coach gives me straight steal, I'm probably not even going to know if I'm going to be out because I'm running so hard that I'm not I'm not necessarily looking. But Is that a trick case, question? I know. It's so trick, right? Um, but let's say maybe you had uh, you read a pass ball or something, or maybe you made a misread on it. If you are running to the next bag and you see that ball get there well ahead of you, don't run into the out. Stop and get in a rundown. Find a way to maybe make the defense make a mistake or um, somehow, you know, find your, find your way safe somewhere. You did much that, yeah, better than I did because I – yeah, she did better than I did because you were going to listen to Coach Tanner and you were going to get your butt there. And if you were out, <laughs> it's her fault. That's what, exactly what I was going to well, say. Well, as I said, coming from the slow poke, if somebody gave me steel, I I have to go as hard as I absolutely can because just to give myself a decent, like, a glimmer of a chance of being safe. Hey, you're preaching to the choir here, Heather. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying. What about reading a pass ball on a wild pitch? Yeah, so, Heather. again, that's going to be a know your speed. Oh, oh sorry. Um, no, that's going right. to be a know your speed and know your situation. <laughs> Okay, well, I mean, <laughs> Heather or Jess can take it. So I, I guess I'm just kicking it to Heather because she had just talked previously and I was thinking catcher point of view. Um, But yeah, reading the pass ball, the wild pitch, the backstop, knowing your speed. Um, what? A, so, I mean, okay, so yeah, I, I guess I'll stop it here, guys. Um, I was going to go into kind of the advanced Hold portion, on, Mike. but yes. Mark for edit. I'm going to, I'm going to add to that. I'm going to add to that real quick and then I'm going to tee up um a part two and we can talk about this other stuff, but um, real quick on reading a pass ball versus a wild pitch. Um, one, knowing your backstop. What kind of backstop is it? Are you playing with on a wood fence? Is it like a hard surface? Are you playing on like the 
diamond little flex fences? Is it mesh? Is it padded? So knowing what type of backstop you're working with, also the distance. Is it short? Is it far? Is it rounded to where the ball's going to kick off side to side pretty easily or is it going to come straight back? These are all things that you need to know ahead of time or at least be looking for when you get to third base so that you know if you have a chance to um, take home on a wild pitch. And then even with that, again, knowing your speed, knowing the situation. Um, is this a have to have run? Do we have a comfortable lead? Um, and if in, uh, listening to your coach, if they're saying, Hey, we're, we're reading a pass ball, we're going on a pass ball. If it's automatic versus, um, if we're waiting to see kind of what happens, um, just knowing that in that situation, that's a, that's an important base to be at. And, um, that is a big run, um, potential. So just knowing whether or not you have an opportunity to create and get that run based on the field conditions that you're working with. And honestly, if the pitcher and catcher are paying attention, if you're watching them and they're, they're just lollygagging, not really paying attention. Um, if the pitcher is opening up with her back to you, um, um, not only are you having an opportunity to advance on a pass ball, but you might even have an opportunity to, to put some pressure on and try a delay steal home. If they're not, they're not putting the pressure on you as a base runner and paying attention to you. Okay. Well, I mean, you put the advanced part two on it to you guys. This was supposed to be one episode, but we're going to roll it into another episode. We'll be back later in the week with part two of base running one-on-one because as we said at the beginning of the podcast, Jessica Tanner loves to talk about running bases. So we'll be back in a couple days. Uh, see you guys next time.